Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down and Frank McKay here with our continuing Lisk saga and the discussion of the Long Island serial killing and investigations or non-investigations, what have you. But here is someone who is who has become a folk hero, an absolute uh, stand-up guy. I've known him for years. Senator Phil Boyle is our guest, but uh, what he did is he was the first public official to to stand up and. and Call out the the investigators and and basically say, hey, what's going on, guys? And, and he had a great line in there, and he said, we, we waited ten years to find a belt. We don't want to wait another ten years to find the buckle. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I I showed up at his press conference, and there were fifteen, sixteen cameras all over the place from all over the the country. And he he did just a great job. His staff did an amazing job, and, and it's he brought up questions that that need to be answered and and to be discussed and so forth. Uh, so for the first time on our list series, Senator Phil Boyle is here with us. Senator, how are you? Uh, good, Frank. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, listen, thrilled to have you, and congratulations on on doing what you've done. Uh, how much has changed in your life since you did this? I mean, are you getting people walking up to you on the street? Are you getting all kinds of questions asked you? Absolutely. I mean, as you know, Frank, you've been a leader in this uh, looking into this investigation, this case, and then kudos for that. Thank you for the, for doing that. Uh, you started it out, and and subsequent to that, now we've had uh, podcasts and radio shows and documentaries and books uh, on on a national level. Um, and uh, and so I'm kind of uh, although I had been involved, I went to memorial services a little early on. I've been involved with getting uh, as much forensic capabilities to New York State to help uh, solve this case. Uh, but the, the press conference was a big thing, and, and, and that has changed a lot. I can't tell you uh, dozens of people have called my office, come up to me, contacted me uh, through my cell phone uh, about this case, giving their ideas, uh, and uh, it, it's been really eye-opening. I, I think the 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 most uh, the thing that that tugged at my heartstrings uh, the most are being contacted from the family members of the victims, uh, thanking me, saying that we've been, they've been trying to get answers for this uh, for the last ten years, and and the powers that be uh, seem to uh, not not be doing enough, and or uh, there's been a couple individuals that have been standouts. For the most part, the leadership has not been there. You know, you mentioned, uh, obviously, the, the victims' families, uh, they're the most important individuals in this whole case. And, and you know, look, there are people growing up um, without moms. There are people going through life without daughters. And for the most part, uh, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a man in there. Uh, of course, uh, they named uh, horribly Asian male, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's all we know of this individual. And there's a toddler there. So, obviously, the victims are the the main focus and the, and their families deserve some closure here before we get into the press conference you you were early on talking about this forensic uh, technology that that's available and you were pounding away pounding away and and you know I think successfully I uh, it, it I feel like you got uh, you got some attention once you started talking about all of that and and talking about the technology that's available to us. Can you give the audience a, a little bit of an overview of what is available uh, from a technology standpoint, a technological standpoint? What's available um, to to help solve this case? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, Frank. Well, first of all, it, it, very quickly in terms of my background, I've been involved with forensic technology since the very beginning, since the late 80s. Uh, well, as a congressional staff person in Washington, I'd, I'd read about it. And at that time, there were only three um, labs. Can you believe that? Only three labs in the entire country uh, that did DNA testing. The DNA, uh, the FBI lab in Quantico and two private companies named Life Codes and Cellmark. Uh, so I read an article about that and was very active in getting my boss at the time, former Congressman Frank Horton, uh, to introduce legislation to get federal funding to the states uh, to do the, make their own DNA labs. You know, obviously, and that, that was a real game changer. It was probably the most significant thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I was 26 years old, so, but but it's done a lot. I mean, you think about the countless cases that have been solved since then. So I've been very interested. Now, not from a scientific perspective. I don't know how to do it. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't know the science behind it, but I do, do know that the capabilities are incredible. And so what they've come so far, uh, the uh, technology's come so far, one of them is familial DNA. And that is when they can read through the male line um, uh, what DNA has been left at a crime scene. So in other words, Frank, you know, if there's a male suspect at a, at a rape or a murder case, they can get his DNA and they do the study. Hey, we don't have it in our database. They'll, they'll, they look at the, the entire database of people in prison and in other areas that have given their, their DNA to the government. And they could say, well, we know he's not there, but his father is or his brother is or his uncle is. So suddenly that huge you know, potential uh, suspect pool of thousands and thousands are down to maybe 10 or 12 people. you know, And, and that's a huge difference for law enforcement. And so that's why familial DNA is so vitally important. Believe it or not, Frank, New York is way behind the eight ball. Most other states have had this technology for years. New York just started allowing familial DNA testing in the last few years. It was right after that rape case, uh, Karina Ventura, the, the jogger, uh, tragic jogger killed uh, in, in Queens, uh, that they started letting it happen. I, I teamed with the parents uh, to bring that to New York State. Um, the, the, ne the next level is genetic genealogy. And that's the, that's the technology like they call it the Golden State Killer. There's, and, and, you know, there's a case where a serial killing was cold for, for decades and they finally got the guy through genetic genealogy. That's when they look at online searches. You have literally citizen sleuths. This wasn't a law enforcement person who did this. This was a person who, did, who got the information privately and did the study to find out, well, it was his great, great grandfather and then the great grandma, you know, yeah. all the way down the line. That's how they figured out who this guy was. And that's how they could get the uh, Gilgo's uh, uh, Beach serial killer, the Long Island serial killer. Um, and uh, I'm advocating we, we do not allow genetic genealogy in New York State. I think we should allow all of these technologies uh, to, to get not just this bad guy, but every uh, violent criminal uh, down the road on cold cases of rape and murder. Uh, so we need to uh, put New York at the forefront of these things, not uh, behind everyone. Yeah, of course. I don't even understand the the other side of the argument on that. It's um, you know you're absolutely great. And by the way, I knew about uh, just from different people talking about it, uh, about your efforts, uh, you know, as a young man, 26 years old, uh, bringing this to the attention of your boss and, and getting this going. Uh, this is, honestly, I mean, DNA is, and, and the technology to uh, discover it and, and to look into it is one of the great, the, the great, great inventions and, and uh, innovations that we've had over the last, whatever, 50 years or something, we might as well utilize it. Frank McKay here, reminding everyone, you listening to our LISC series, and we have a wonderful public official here, Phil Boyle, and he is the senator who represents the area where these victims were, were found, the, the, you know, the Gilgo and the Oak Beach areas. 
and uh, Senator Phil Boyle is here with us. I, Senator, uh, again, you you called the press conference and you got a tremendous response. I mean, a, a an unbelievable response. And so many people were wondering whether you would or not. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, everyone from Fox News was there and uh, WPIX and uh, ABC and, and NBC. Uh, every Everyone shows up to this, which tells me that there's an interest in what's going on here. And, uh, yeah, there's there's an interest. Is there is there legs to this interest? In other words, do uh, do people just show up one time? Can you know, for example, Steve Ballone just just shut this uh, all down and and it would go away? I, I'm concerned that the second we stop talking about it, and the second that that you stop pushing, that it just goes away and they just sweep it under the table. I, I think it, it definitely will have an ongoing interest, Frank. And I mean, I think. We need to keep talking about it, but other people are very, very interested now. Things and things came out not just uh, from my press conference, but from your uh, list series. Uh, the the big questions, of course, so, you know, uh, was uh, former police chief James James Burke ever questioned and cleared of this case? Uh, that the, I hear I hear two questions over and over again. It was the two questions that I asked at at the press conference, and I'm glad about it. One is. And I have absolutely no idea. I'm letting it clear. One thousand percent, no idea if James Burke was involved directly, indirectly, in any way with these crimes. Okay, but what we do know is that he kicked the FBI out of the investigation, and and he was involved with prostitution, uh, parties at 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 the beach uh, that involved sex workers. We know that he's had an involvement with with sex workers, uh, according from the uh, podcast Unraveled. We it looks like he uh, he had perhaps perjured himself in a civil case uh, that you've talked about on this on this uh, call. And Steve Ballone, the county executive, his boss, called up Newsday to kill the story. So the, the big one big question is. What about Burke? The other question is why Steve Ballone, our current county executive, hired James Burke in the first place, and then more importantly, why did he keep him when he did all these things like kicking the FBI out of this vitally important investigation? I mean, obviously, you know, Frank, this is probably the most heinous crime in, in Suffolk County history. Why would you keep a police chief there uh, who kicked the FBI with the great tech forensic technology that, that they have out of an investigation? The other question is is did he, uh, according to uh, Legislator Trotto, I believe uh, you have, you've spoken to, uh, that he stopped the FBI and other and even local investigations from looking at the cell phone data. But we track a lot of killers, a lot of criminals from their cell phone uh, records, and he would not allow that to be made public to the to law enforcement officials, his own law enforcement officials, uh, to figure out who did it. A lot of red flags, Frank, and those are the big questions. What about Burke? What about Ballone? Right before you came on, I, I monologued and and we uh, spoke. We I spoke uh, about uh, the indisputable facts. And again, you know, some things are you know on my end speculation. Some things that I say are well, you know, let's think about this. Well, let's ask this question. Let's do that. Uh, today, what I did is I, I laid out the the indisputable facts, things that that can't be. Uh, dismissed or can't be argued for example steve ballone appointed jimmy burke to be the the county uh, the, the uh, police chief of suffolk county i mean it's it's a fact it's it's not i don't want to hear that political pressure came on him to do this or that tom spoda did it uh, you know i know for a fact that tom spoda 
did not know about this until the last minute. He was very unhappy about it. I spoke about it earlier. Uh, the the other fact is that the Blown administration, uh, led by Jimmy Burke, kicked the FBI out of this investigation. How do we know? Jerry Hart said it to Aaron Moriarty. I mean, it's a fact. It's not, you know, nobody's disputing that. And and the one thing that I've uh, I've been saying over and over is as people complain to me over the eight years that I've been asking questions about this. And by the way, in 2013, it was the first time a friend of Steve Ballone's came up to me and, and told me that he was very upset that I was asking questions. I wasn't even asking questions on the air. I had a show on NBC nonstop uh, TV show. I had a, a, a series on uh, CBS uh, radio series and syndicated all over the country in different uh, major markets. I never even talked about Lisk. I never talked about true crime, anything along those lines. He was just upset. Ballone, that is, was upset that I was asking the question at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it just got me it, it just got me thinking. And you, you said it correctly. You don't know. I don't know who is involved in these murders. I know. And this is just me saying I'm not even asking for a response from you. I know who's in who's in charge of the, the cover up. <laughs> Jimmy Burke and and Steve Ballone got together and they got the FBI out immediately as they took office. And to me, it's just it's it's unbelievable. Again, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Senator Phil Boyle is our very, very special guest, and we're talking Lisk. We're talking about his wonderful press conference at, where he um, he basically told us, he told the, the world that he is uh, he's sending out three letters. I'm going to ask him about that now. And Phil, if you can, uh, let us j- just a, a quick summary of who you sent letters to and if you got response back from those folks. Uh, yeah, Frank. So I did. I sent three letters out that day. Uh, one of them was to our current uh, Suffolk County Police Chief and, and Acting Commissioner uh, Stuart Cameron. Uh, the other was to County Executive Steve Ballone. And the third was to New York State Attorney General uh, Letitia Tish James. Uh, the first one to Cameron, what I asked the Chief and Commissioner, Acting Commissioner, was, was, was um, former Chief Burke ever questioned and cleared in this case? I made the point that, you know, we're, we're 10 years out from this crime, more than 10 years, at least 10 victims. If you said it could have gone up to 16 uh, and no arrests. And when you look online and for many people speculating here in, in Suffolk County, they believe James Burke may have had something to do with this, at least to do with the cover up, certainly, as you point out, um, and uh, maybe even directly or indirectly involved with, with the crimes itself. So, and again, I don't know if that has anything to do with, uh, he had anything to do with it, but I do know in people's mind, and you can go right on the Wikipedia page uh, and the first name that pops up as potential suspects is James Burke. I mean, and I said Amazing. at the press conference, between the, the FBI says that it's between 25 and 50 active serial killers in this country at a given time. Well, I can tell you that the only one with a police chief as a suspect is right here in Suffolk County. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Just think about and that. So, Amazing. Yeah, and I simply said, asked the, J- asked the chief, um, has has Burke ever been questioned? Has he been cleared? And who would have done? I said, and who, if he was questioned, when was it, and by whom was it? Was one of the was it one of the detectives that was working for James Burke? Well, you can imagine how that question that questioning went. Yeah. <laughs> if the boss was if the employee was asking the the boss the questions, um, I don't think he ever was, and I don't think the FBI ever did it. 
So that's one letter. The other uh, letter was to Steve Ballone, simply asking, why did you hire James Burke in the first place? And also, why did you not fire him when he kicked the uh, FBI out of the Gilgo investigation? As you and I remember, Frank, and a lot of listeners no doubt do, uh, Steve Ballone made big fanfare of going to the steps of, of then, county, uh, then County District Attorney Tom Spoda's office and demanded that he resign. Uh, what reason? He gave because he kicked the FBI out of the Gilgo investigation. Well, it cu- turns out that that actually the person who did that was his police chief, Jim Burke, who he could have fired at any time. So why do you demand someone else re- resign from their elected position when you won't even hire or you won't even fire your own county police chief for doing the exact same thing? W- that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, third, third letter was to Tish James, our attorney general from New York State, the, the same woman who's investigating Cuomo for sexual harassment allegations. And I think she's doing a very good objective job with, with professionals and ask her to come in with the team, a special prosecutor, to look at the investigation of the investigation. Look at, and I, the letter specifically says, I'd like her to look from the day that Steve Ballone was elected county executive in 2011. And, and the weeks after that, obviously, that's when uh, Burke uh, let everybody know I'm going to be the next police chief and all the detectives involved with this case. You better resign. Uh, and, and by the way, don't talk to any of the new people coming in to take your place. Um, and then from that time until the FBI officially was invited into the case in 2015. So that's a pretty big window. That's four years there uh, where we believe little or no investigation was actually going on. As I said at the time at the press conference, I said, look, I understand it's an active investigation. You don't even have to tell me the names of the people that were interviewed. Just give me the number. I mean, was it 100? Was it three? You know, um, and so I haven't heard from, <laughs> as I expect, I have not heard from uh, Stuart Cameron, uh, the police chief yet, or Steve Ballone, but I have heard from the attorney general's office. And we're working with them. They have to get, uh, she can't just uh, herself do a uh, start an investigation unless it involves police misconduct. And that's, that's a topic I'll touch on. Um, but she needs to get a referral from the governor of the controller, uh, Tom DiNapoli, the New York State controller that we know. Um, so she, her, her lawyers are telling her she may not be able to do the investigation uh, until she gets that referral. However, Frank, we did pass legislation uh, uh, last year in terms of the criminal justice reform that said the attorney general can look without a referral into cases of police misconduct. Right. So I I contacted her office the other day and I said, well, maybe it's me. Call me crazy. But I think if the police chief of a department is covering up a serial killing, that might be considered police misconduct. (laughs) Unbelievable. I mean, it yeah. just it, the words are unbelievable, but it's it, it's it's true. I mean, it's it's an absolute. It, it it's if this was on TV, Phil. I mean, we we wouldn't believe it. If it was on a movie screen, we wouldn't okay. believe it. It it's just unbelievable. Uh, uh, look, it, let me remind folks if you're just tuning in a little late or turning on your radios a little late, you're listening to the voice of Senator Phil Boyle, and he is talking Lisk, and he did a, a wonderful, courageous thing. That no other public official has done, and I, I really wish they would. I mean, they, they called for an investigation of the investigation, and I, when I say they, I mean uh, Senator Boyle and his staff. I mean, boy, the staff did some job on that and just handling the, uh, you know, it could have been chaotic, but it was just, it was handled so beautifully, and um, you, you've got to be very proud of the staff, how they handled that day. It, it could have, it really could have been chaotic, but they, they it seemingly uh, went very smooth from what I could see. Yeah, right. And I give such 
kudos uh, to my staff, including my legislative director, Nicole Kipilov, who did a great job. And we had interns working on it. We, they researched this thing for weeks, you know, and it was very interesting to see the young young folks getting involved in and because they're sitting around the table and I'm asking to look up this case and uh, look up this, this quote from a few years back and all this other stuff. And while they're sitting at the conference table in our office doing this investigating, they're, they're of course, bantering, who do you think it is? You think Burke was involved? And what about Malone? Why did he fire him like here? So to see the young folks engaged was, was really great. And I think that a, a, a new generation of, of true crime fighters uh, may have been born. And, and, and listening to your show and other uh, podcasts nationally, I think the younger generation is going to be really into to solving these cold cases, protecting women moving forward. Obviously, there's a, there's a huge movement now uh, to protect sex workers, probably like there haven't been in the past, unfortunately. Uh, and that's good to see. And we have the forensic capabilities uh, and the DNA capability, capabilities to do just that if they are used. Well, listen, I'm I'm telling you, this is just an amazing um, a turn of events. And when you announced that you were doing the press conference, and we didn't talk about it, you know, we just I, I knew something was going on, and and you were kind of keeping mums the word, and uh, and then when it came out, it was just uh, it, you know to me, it was just a heroic move by you and your staff, and and it, hopefully people will follow suit. Um, Frank McKay here, uh, our very special guest, has been Senator Phil Boyle. We need a part two with him and a, and a follow-up as it goes along. But before I let you go, Phil, uh, you mentioned Unraveled. Uh, those folks, uh, they're Long Islanders, I think, uh, from birth, and then they moved out to California. But they, they really kind of kept the ball rolling, and they, uh, and they really started asking some heavy questions. I didn't listen to it, and I purposely didn't listen to it because I didn't want to channel what they were doing or I didn't want to mimic what they were doing. We did our series, you know, four years ago, and we started that, and then we stopped, and, and now we started up again as Ballone lifted his head for governor, figuring, hey, he's going to have to answer some questions here or whatever. But there was one moment, and you and I have spoken about it, there was one moment where Unraveled, uh, the folks questioned County Executive Ballone about uh, the newspaper article and you uh you you alluded to it here but if you can give me uh, give us all of us uh, a, a rundown of what happened there it, it sounds like the the reporters from unraveled called them about quashing a story on james burke and the in the malone um divorce trial that's guy malone who's been a guest here but uh, can you give us a little rundown of what happened there Absolutely. And, and I give uh, great kudos to uh, the two investigative journalists of uh, uh, Billy Jensen uh, and uh, Alexis Linkletter, both long time. You're right. They were both Long Island natives, moved out to California, uh, but came back to their home area uh, to, to do this uh, podcast and do this investigation into, into the uh, Long Island serial killer. Uh, two things, Frank. W one of them, they called Bologna. They said he, he dodged their phone calls for months and months. And then they finally got him on the phone. And uh, they asked him about two things. One was... Um, the, as you mentioned, the uh, the, the uh, divorce uh, civil case uh, that uh, that um, Chief Burke, former Chief Burke, uh, evidently perjured himself on. Uh, I think they asked him if he had uh, ever been involved with prostitutes, and he said no. Uh, under oath, obviously, we know <laughs> one thing about James Burke: he's definitely been involved with prostitutes. Um, and so. Well, supposedly Newsday was going to do a big story about it. And they, they quote uh, uh, Trotta, uh, legislative Trotta, saying this thing was supposed to come out the next day. He looks for it in the paper and nothing. And then it, it turns out that Steve Ballone and an attorney had called Newsday to, to kill that story. 
right? Uh, and they call, they asked Balone about it on, on, the, on the podcast. And he said, oh, I don't remember that. I have no recollection of that. And so they're, they're getting confirmation from other parties that were on that phone call. Uh, it's very convenient that Steve Balone forgets to make that phone call uh, to say that, uh, he, oh, your police chief evidently perjured himself. Uh, and you suddenly don't remember calling the newspaper uh, to kill the story. I can tell you, Frank, I've been in public office for 27 years. I've never made phone, a phone call to Newsday to kill a story. And if it, I had made one about my police chief perjuring himself, I definitely would have remembered it. Um, and and the, the other one, Frank, is another the thing. It, it, probably the thing that set me off the most about this was they asked uh, Ballone specifically, why did you not fire – James Burke is your police chief. They say, you know, you called Spoda out saying he was connected. Why did you? He worked for you. He was your employee. You could have fired him at any moment, and you never did for four years. Why did you not fire him? And he and believe it, it's, it was just mind blowing to me. And I, I urge people to listen to that podcast uh, and also to watch the, the documentary on Discovery Plus. Malone says, "Well, I came to learn that the the uh, Spoda and Burke were sociopathic." Oh, hold on a second. You came to realize that your police chief was a sociopath and you still didn't fire him? I mean, obviously, at that point in time, we, we all kind of knew, and even though he had not been convicted, we all kind of knew what happened with Burke and Loeb, right? He beat the guy up. He was a guy uh, you know, who stole the duffel bag from his car. He, Burke, as police chief, goes into the precinct with four or five other detectives standing there and starts pounding on a, on a handcuffed suspect. Talk about a violent individual. And so he... He he does this, and he still does not fire. Uh, Blown still does not fire Burke. Knowing all this, he still doesn't fire him. He just lets them. You know, he resigns a little while later. But what is this connection between Blown and Burke? That after all that, I mean, believe me, Frank, I've made some hiring decisions in my in public yeah, of office. Course. You've made it. You probably hired, hired a couple of people. Oh, sorry, it's not working out. You give them the severance check. You yeah. you know, shake hands, and they're on their way. But for some reason, Ballone would never fire Burke despite all of this stuff. And and they get to the bottom of it. Even when he they, he publicly says to the national podcast, I believe my p- former police chief was a sociopath and he still didn't fire him. They ask him that and he had no his response is, well, I knew uh, a federal investigation was going on. And and they and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, do you think the does Malone actually think the FBI stops investigating someone because they left their job? <laughs> <laughs> That's no reason not to fire the guy. Get rid of him, and the FBI can investigate him as a private citizen. I, I believe that I firmly believe that Steve Malone not firing Burke hurt this investigation tremendously. Because you think about it, if there's two, only two ways that Burke would have been, ever been questioned, if the FBI had stayed in, because obviously Burke couldn't have done anything to harm the FBI. So they could have sat him down and say, where were you on the night Megan Waterman went missing? Or where were you with Melissa Bartholomew when Melissa Bartholomew went, went missing? Maybe he had a perfect, perfectly good uh, alibi. Great. Okay. The other way that he would have been questioned, if one of the detectives working on this case had sat him down and questioned him, which you and I both know, Frank, would have never happened as long as Burke was cheap. No, none of his employees were going to say, oh, a boss, can I sit you down and question you about the, the Gilgo Beach because as, as, you're a potential suspect? That was never going to happen. So by Ballone keeping Burke as police chief, hindered this investigation without a doubt. Amazing. Uh, Senator, I want to thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for being here. Congratulations on, on just a, an amazing career, uh, still going strong. And uh, and to everyone out there, I want to thank you all for listening. And, and again, when you hear the name Jimmy Burke, 
Think Steve Ballone. When you hear the name Steve Ballone, think Jimmy Burke. They are attached at the hip for whatever reason. Whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but these two are very protective of each other. Steve Ballone has uh, has either been scared stiff uh, of uh, of Jimmy Burke to fire him, or they're in league together for some reason. It is bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. You wouldn't believe it if you were watching it on TV or on a movie screen. But when you think Jimmy Burke, the first words you should think of is Steve Ballone. Frank McKay signing off. Senator Phil Boyle has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on our list series. And we'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. Breaking It Down.